and welcome to the Methods Podcast. My name is Matt Culpin and for this episode I'll be joined by Mike Holmes, who is a Solution Architect here at Methods. The topic for this episode is low-code platforms. At Methods, we have an agnostic approach to technology and work with several low-code platforms and vendors. We're also increasingly being asked to assist organisations to help define their requirements around such platforms and also offer options appraisals on the various platforms in the marketplace. As Mike's role, he's recently been evaluating several platforms, so can also give us a unique perspective on that as well. Um, so welcome, Mike. Hi, Matt. Thank you. Um, so I guess the first question is, how do you define what a low-code platform is? Yeah, it's a good question. To put it uh, in a really small nutshell, um, it's a platform that provides a development environment that you'd use to build applications, processes, uh, that uses a graphical user interface instead of uh, perhaps the more traditional uh, lengthy coding interface to develop things. So you're looking at a graphical development interface that's really quite easy and intuitive to use in a nutshell. Great. And do, do you think that type of approach lends itself to a particular function or, or type of application? Very much so when you're when you're trying to digitize processes um, and also for integrating as well. I think that can lend itself very well to low code solutions. OK, so in terms of um, your experience, you know, what what do you think are the key factors for an organization who are considering low code uh, as part of their evaluation? I think they have to have a really good understanding to start with of what their requirements are, um, just how unique and bespoke their requirements are. Uh, and then they have to look at the marketplace and say, what platforms are out there that can answer these needs? Uh, I put a word of caution in there, um, as is our experience, rather than looking at what can fulfill 100% of our requirements, um, I think you need to widen your scope a little bit more and say, what can easily and quickly meet 90, 95% of our requirements? And then you can go on and do a further bit of evaluation and say, how difficult would it then be on each of those platforms if we really want that extra five or 10%? Okay, so so I guess you know, your, your recent piece of work in, in evaluating these platforms, you've come, you've come against or up against sort of certain things that make specific platforms better than others. Um, and again, obviously, that has to be centered around the requirements of the organization. But in, in terms of a traditional path of more, more of a code heavy type of platform, how do you think they, they stack up? And what are the considerations between those those two things that, that lead you towards a low code platform decision? Yeah, it's interesting. The market where it is and so many uh, good and well-established low-code platforms out there for, to deliver all kinds of uh, functions. Uh, the question perhaps uh, more normally that you have to pose is, why wouldn't you use low-code? Uh, but then listen to the answer. Um, there may be good reason, but it's all going to be about how, what is the functionality you need to deliver? Um, and how really complex is that? And how much of that is actually essential to your, to your viable product? So if you have a set of requirements that are so unique 
and so complicated um, and so difficult to deliver on perhaps some of the low-code platforms, you might have good reason to say, okay, actually, we need something that we can completely code ourselves, is going to be completely unique to us. To us. But I have to say, normally, when you push that question hard and you look at the pros and cons, normally the answer comes back, actually, yeah, low code makes sense. Perhaps we need to compromise on a few percent of our requirements and then a low code platform can deliver everything we need. Sure, I guess where I've seen um, the desire to kind of move towards a low code approach um, it's been with local authorities and obviously methods, you know, we, we work with with several local authorities who are, who are on this journey at varying stages. And, and I think one of the things that always becomes a sticking point is the adoption of these platforms across a wide number of areas, because each each service area, as, as we know, a council is essentially a whole bunch of siloed service areas and they all have their Kind of particular favourites in terms of their back office platforms. So, you know, uh, thinking about that more widely, what what do you think are the benefits of a loco platform to that approach? Because obviously, a lot of the time when you when you look into those requirements of those specific line of business systems, it always comes down to a kind of you know we we need a form, we need the ability to have some kind of workflow or, or case management. And then there's a there's a, a there's a kind of a, a data element where we need to get meaningful kind of dashboards around those things. So so I guess my my question is, you know, when you're, you know, trying to to look at a loco platform, what are the considerations around those elements to kind of make it more widely adopted across an organisation? I think that would <clears throat> boil down to, and I think this will resonate um, for any people listening to this who who are working in local government space um, and have looked at these technical challenges i think it really boils down to integration um, we're kind of leading ourselves in this in this conversation at the moment to really talking about that sort of crm loco platform in this case when we're talking about local government um, which is not the only use case for low code i have to say but um, if we take that as an example and it's a good example um, a CRM at the front with forms, um, building processes is really useful. There will always be some back office systems that you need to keep. Some things are very complex and very bespoke. So if we're talking about local government space now, we could be talking about revenues and benefits. We could be talking about adult and children's social care. Those things are almost certainly uh, going to have some form of back office system that's large and complicated. Then it's all about integration. Um, so that's one of the key things you're going to want to look at. It's always one of the key determiners in uh, what platform am I going to choose? And it's about what does it already integrate with? And very importantly, perhaps even more importantly, how easy is it to integrate things where there aren't currently existing integrations? So I, I think that becomes the key. How can how can this loco platform uh, integrate with my other systems? How easy is it to integrate and flow that data between systems? What, one of the elements that you you kind of touched upon a few times is is the kind of reporting element of it. Um, I think we all know that you know um, lots of organisations have lots of data, uh, but they don't necessarily meaningfully interpret that data. So is there any considerations as part of these platforms that, that 
you think have to be part of the consideration when choosing one or is the consideration to make it flexible enough to kind of abstract the data out of the platform and then use it in a meaningful way in, in a separate tool is there anything that you found that that um you know kind of lends itself to a particular model around that yeah that's a, that's a fair question so <clears throat> I, I think lots of systems <clears throat> whether we're talking about you know low code systems now or big back office systems that you already have a lot of them have their own reporting um solutions built in um and some don't and quite often when people come up reporting they're very focused on okay does this particular system give me all the reporting i want and i would immediately that makes me a little bit nervous in that immediately then you're building a silo so i will come back straight on uh, head on to the question of is there consideration when doing a low code platform but i just want to sort of caveat that with if you're looking at reporting just within one system you're in dangerous ground of siloing all that data one of the big things about freeing data and enabling you to make data-based decisions not database data-based decisions um, which everyone aspires to is about freeing your data from your systems rather than leaving it in your system and reporting on it there it's about freeing your data up joining it across your systems across your natural silos uh, and seeing what great intelligence you can get out of it from there so it always makes me nervous when people say how good is the reporting in a particular system low code or otherwise so with that in mind i'd say yeah it is a very important consideration and the consideration is how easy is it to get your data out um, and how much do you own that data so as long as you can get your data easily out in an automated way then i'd say there's no problem with the system so judge your systems low code or otherwise by how easily can you access that data and what are the methods and do they suit you and do they fit in with your current data architecture sure absolutely so so i guess i guess you know my my question uh, around this is you know we, we're talking about low code which essentially means you know not actually sort of writing or you know sort of using any particular known technologies but but i still think you know when you're talking about apis and integrations that it still feels that there's a kind of an element of of technical know-how that's needed so how how you know different do you think to you know sort of implementing one of these platforms i guess against you know one of the kind of bigger or traditional sort of you know heavier development type platforms it still feels like there's a, a degree of technical know-how that's needed so could you could you sort of explain that a little bit more in terms of the type of mindset that you think you know, the, and the skills that people need to have to kind of, you know, uh, successfully implement a platform like this? Yeah, that's a really good question. We've been involved quite a lot with helping, um, again, coming back to the local government example you're giving, helping local government set up those small teams of people that will um, develop processes and forms, etc., on low-code platforms going forward so that they're self-sufficient. Um, and I think I think that's the key point, the key differentiator is the kind of skills you need in terms of hard technical skills, 
are clearly, and that's the whole point, much, much less um, for low code. So therefore, it's easier and it's more affordable and it's more sustainable to build an in-house team, um, even for an organization that is, you know, really up against it in terms of budget and maintaining um, maintaining headcount. It's much easier to build a low code team because that hardcore technical skill level is much lower. But you, you've said mindset there, and I think that's really key because in our experience, the successful teams we've set up, they do all share a common mindset. And it is a kind of analytical developers, very logical mindset. And that's what need that's what's needed. So you don't need to be a full stack developer. You don't even need to be, uh, you know, a .NET developer. You don't need to know any code formally. But yeah, you do need to have that very analytical, very logical, slightly almost mathematical mindset um, to build anything, really. I'd say, you know, that would be true to um, low code platforms uh, and Lego and Meccano as well. You need a certain mindset. Absolutely. So. I mean, it feels to me that you, you're actually sort of putting the the technology in the hands of people that perhaps understand what it is and who they are designing and building for more more so than a than a traditional sort of developer. You know, so if you if you've got someone that kind of is thinking around service design, more attuned to how a user needs to consume or use a service, either be it a a citizen facing process or an internal facing process. Do you, do you think a low-code platform lends itself more to kind of being, you know, developed around the needs of a user rather than the constraints of a of a kind of more traditional development platform? Well, yeah, Matt, I give I give the short answer to that as yes, but it's not perhaps for the most obvious reason. Um, if you looked very coldly and. and you didn't take into account, you know, how hard it is to build a team, a technical team, and keep those resources, uh, et cetera, going forward. You'd say a much more code-centric platform uh, could be eminently more flexible. So you might be tempted to say at that point, yeah, absolutely. Technically, a much heavier code platform uh, could build any process we want and we can make it very customer centric if we want because we can do whatever we want. Whilst that is technically true, in reality and on the ground, where you win with low code is, it's very fast to build processes that are very customer centric. It's uh, very easy to iterate those processes and continually change them. Whereas if you did a very big project, you can imagine setting up a big project team and let's go, I won't name any, but let's pick one of those really heavy platforms where you have to do a lot of code, have a lot of technical skill and knowledge. You're going to pull that project team together. You're going to solve a problem. <clears throat> You're going to build something that hopefully is right for you today. Um, and you can make that as bespoke as you like um, for your needs today. That's all true. But then what about six months time when something changes? Uh, the landscape changes, your process needs to adapt and roll with it. You very hard to get that project team back together and to go through a whole huge cycle of development uh, in very complex code to deliver a change. So while, yeah, it's true to say on a really heavily coded platform, 
you might be able to do absolutely 100% of what you want today, I guarantee that you're going to leave yourself stuck with something that's more rigid and less adaptable going forward. Because being very customer centric, um, whether your customers are internal or external, really does mean being adaptable. Uh, and you need to change at fast pace. And that's what everyone suffers for with the bigger, more bespoke platforms that have been built. They just won't change at a fast pace. And you certainly can't really realistically um, have that development team in-house to service that change as well. So that's why it's not perhaps a very obvious reason, but yeah, that's why I say low code is far better at developing those customer centric processes that can change rapidly. Okay, so it so it feels like there's there's perhaps um, a little bit more risk involved in in using a local platform because the emphasis becomes on, on on you rather than you know outsourcing it to a vendor who who owns that kind of that that, that technical overhead. Um, and but 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 it also means that you can you know rapidly deploy things and test things quickly. Um, which, which obviously means that you know, if you need to stand up a service, and, and I think you know some of the some of the examples that we saw from last year, at, at the start of the the kind of pandemic, you know, organisations needing to kind of roll out services very quickly because of that, um, you know, sort of um, transformation of, of people working from home, people not being able to go in into kind of more traditional channels such as face to face or tele telephone. So therefore, being able to stand things up quickly will probably benefited by loco platforms but but then there's i guess there's more of a risk of them not doing exactly what you want them to do to a degree i mean yeah i have to admit to being actually very proud of seeing what some of the teams that we helped set up several years ago uh, in different organizations how they have responded to covid um i'd be really quite proud to see that uh that they've they've rapidly turned around processes um to support the covid effort of their organizations uh and the different way of working and it's been great to see so there's real evidence out there that they've been the winners in covid they've been able to turn stuff around really fast and respond really fast uh, and automate things really quickly so so that has been great risk yeah um i mean i am a fan so i'm more likely to put that back to you and say are you sure it's risk not opportunity that you're seeing by taking on board a low-code platform, the opportunity to self-govern and self-service your own needs, rather than being reliant on, on a big third-party vendor. Um, it's going to be very hard for a big third-party vendor with lots of customers to turn things around quickly for you. And that is the common experience, and I'm sure anyone listening would sort of, uh, that would resonate a little bit, you know, with the best will in the world, um, a vendor who has 100 customers um, has to listen to all the feedback that's coming and filter it out to the most common denominators. And that's what will go on their priority list. So uh, risk, I don't really think so with low code. I think it's more opportunity, um, less effort perhaps. So I guess I guess one of the things you mentioned mentioned there was was um, you know a, a vendor having lots and lots of customers in in a particular sector and and I, I guess that lends itself to the potential of of perhaps sharing uh, processes or or even assets 
uh, with other customers. You know, so if you're developing something for a local authority in, in City A, and they use you know, another organisation's using the same platform in City B, you know, is is there a way that assets can be shared and and you know essentially leveraged quickly? You know, rather than you know uh, ten councils all building the same processes but slightly differently. Is is there an incentive there to kind of maybe share those assets and 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 standardise on a common approach to delivering something? Yeah, and it's one of the big potential advantages of loco platforms where individual organisations are actually building the processes themselves. So we talked about how a, a large vendor might do it for um, a platform that is servicing a particular need, like uh, a revenues and benefits platform, um, a social care platform, something like that. Um, they do try and do that themselves. So they're looking at the commonality and they will roll out across all their customers something that they develop for one customer. That is true. The big advantage you get with a low-code community, and, and by that I mean the community on any particular low-code low platform, is that everyone's developing. They're all developing for themselves. And if that has then some central hub where those are freely shared, everybody benefits. So you might put a huge amount of effort into some very particular licensing process and set of forms that you manage. Um, you might share that and someone else benefits. But then somebody else has done something else to satisfy another process, some kind of enforcement process that actually suits you. So you save time there. So it's a bit like you're all part of one big vendor. So uh, therefore, you're going to get those advantages. And and with low code, you can take somebody else's processes and sets of forms. If again, we're going back to sort of CRM low code um, and again, quickly change them for you. So, yeah, th there's definitely a benefit. So I guess, um, you know, what, what it kind of boils down to really is, is you know the, the cost of ownership um and I, and I suppose you know just just my knowledge is that that lots of these vendors you know sort of sell and license their platforms in different models and and I guess as part of your recent sort of work with with several uh customers is is looking at uh, those platforms and helping them appraise them in terms of the um, the, the purchasing models, I think, you know, you've got sort of the, the, the licenses around number of users. I think there's some vendors that charge based upon population size for their particular uh, local authority. And then, of course, you've also got a consumption model. So, you know, what, what do you think are the kind of benefits around these things and how they suit different types of organisations? Yeah, absolutely. As you say, different pricing models. And that's always one of the criteria you're looking at. Um, when you're trying to, if you've made the decision as an organization to go low code for a particular solution, again, let's say like CRM, um, then, then some of the considerations become cost for you. So there may not be much between it, uh, between two particular vendors, but then maybe you'll hit a sweet spot in the cost model of one that really leans you towards that as your choice. So it's it's definitely an important choice. It's only one of the many criteria, but but cost is definitely a, uh, an important part of deciding between them. Great. So um, 
just thinking, you know, we, what we've sort of focused on is is you know what what you determined to be low code around CRM. What what other types of of low code development platforms are out there, and what sort of solutions are they being used for? Yeah, I think I think the biggest other area, and particularly that we're helping customers with a lot now, is uh, integration software, and then that's uh, very often somewhere. With the big with the big players uh, obviously we're trying to not name names here but uh with the big players you're talking about cloud services and cloud integration services so that's integration services that sit in the cloud that you can configure and use um they can still integrate with things on premise etc um so that's that's definitely a consumption model um when you're looking at the sort of couple of big players for cloud solutions, so the cloud integration services. I think we all know that the couple of big players I'm really talking about. Um, and that tends to be a consumption model. Now that can be difficult. Uh, it tends to be cheaper than uh, some other platform solutions for integration, uh, but obviously predicting the cost is a little bit harder. You have to work harder to accurately predict the cost. You have to know your workloads very well. Um, a recommended approach <clears throat> is often doing small, fast proof of concept, which you can measure then the consumption cost and then extrapolate out to your workload. So it's more effort uh, costing those out, but they do offer really good cost saving benefits as well in that they can scale up and down very easily. So. We've worked again in the local government example, we've been working with a few customers now and, and we're making headway now with adoption of cloud integration services. And uh, we've got some examples where they've proved really successful. Um, but yeah, it's that cost model that is very difficult for customers at first, but you quickly get more expert at working out how you can model the costs ahead and predict them fairly well. So that's another big area is integration where there are some really good low-code offerings there. Um, as I say, the, the cloud services-based ones, um, but also bespoke you know, products that you can buy. Um, and another one, of course, that people often forget is, is reporting, um, which now there are some great offerings out there. Again, avoiding naming names, but there are some big offerings out there for reporting um, and analytics and data movement and data storage that are mostly based around low code. So again, that development skill set um, is lower. Not the mindset, as we talked about before, that still needs to be very analytical, but uh, the technical skill set is much lower. So yeah, I mean, the, those are the big areas where it's it's really important and there's a lot out there. It's that uh, that sort of workflow and digitizing processes and forms from uh, or taking other channels uh, into digital processes, um, integrations, and then let's not forget reporting. So that coming back to your point around other channels, uh, I guess where I see um, some organizations wanting to kind of um, you know, look look sort of more deeper into is is the kind of integration of things like sort of chatbots and so integration with kind of uh, voice enabled services. So is, is there a is there a more of a multi-channel approach with with a loco platform than there is necessarily with a more traditional um, you know, development 
approach? I think, again, rather than saying that uh, the heavier code-based platforms don't integrate with the various channels, you know, all the various sort of usual ones that, um, you know, social media channels, and also then, as, as you say, very common requirement is, is chatbots um, and automation that can hand off to humans, etc. It's not that they don't integrate with those things because they can, again, though, it's back to that low code's advantage of being much easier to. And yes, you're right, low code vendors of platforms uh, are making that easier and easier um, to do. And also, it may be that you're looking at a very hybrid low code approach, which may be um, offering chatbots uh, with one set of technologies and integrating those into your processes and your workflows using you know low code integration services so you may also be looking at to get what you want at, uh, at multiple providers of, of low code technology so so i guess who you know who are right these sorts of platforms and, and when <clears throat> are they right that's that's a question i think lots of people would probably want want to, to, to know really, you know, when, when are these platforms right and when aren't they right? Uh, and I guess that leads into, you know, any, you know, what are the hidden costs? So who's it right for, who's it not for right for? Well, if you're a big vendor um, building a social care platform and you're wanting to challenge the market in that space, then uh, no, you're not gonna go with a low code base. Um, you're you're going to build uh, yourself and get exactly what you want and streamline it. Um, if you're somebody who wants to take control of uh, your own digital processes and integrations, uh, and you want to be able to react quickly to a changing landscape, um, and you don't want to maintain a really big, expensive in-house development team, then, then low code, that's what it's there for, uh, and that's who it's for. Um, so it sounds almost like a no-brainer. Um, the pitfalls you asked about, well, yeah, so low code, very quickly, very easily, you should be able to do 90% of what you want very easily. You've then just got to be careful uh, about which platform you pick is can you go a little bit beyond that? If you want to bring in maybe temporarily or have a very limited, more technically skilled resource in-house, um, can you go that little bit extra uh, and get that last 10% of what you want? And really that comes down to analyzing what your requirements are asking for and saying, how important are they? How really important are they to me? Is that last 10% of functionality? Um, and quite often, if you push that, you'll say, well, actually, no, that's not that important. We can wait until this low-code platform comes out with that, you know, in a year's time. That's fine. So it's about prioritizing what you really, really, really have to have um, against how expensive, complex, and slow the alternative would be. That's been really useful and, and certainly opened my eyes to you know the, the possibility with low-code platforms. Uh, I'd just like to thank you very much for your time today. And thank you, Matt. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Mike.